Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Canadian Gothic, a series by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners. This episode is going to take us to Regina, Saskatchewan. Well, more specifically, to a grad party that was held outside the city at an area near Last Mountain Lake back in 2006. On the third night of a three-day-long celebration, a group of people unconnected to the graduation crashed the party. And at some point after their arrival, tensions flared between members of the groups. What started as a verbal altercation in a dimly lit field has evolved into one of Regina's most often discussed unsolved murders. Despite there being nearly 200 in attendance and 17 years of finger pointing, investigators have yet been able to prove who killed 19-year-old Misha Pavlik. And that brings us to this episode. Tonight, I'm going to be joined by Madeleine Klein to discuss her hometown case, the murder of Misha Pavlik. Misha Pavlik's dad remembers one of the last conversations they shared 15 years ago before his son died. I told him I love you, and he said, I love you too, Dad. Later that night, the 19-year-old was stabbed during an altercation at an outdoor graduation party near Regina Beach. Approximately 200 people were at the party, but the person responsible for his death has never been charged. Ms. Madeleine Klein, freshly back from Ottawa. And you're no worse for wear, or maybe you are? No, it was it was fine. Uh, unfortunately, for anyone that listened to our last episode, I did jinx myself. Uh, yeah, flights flights were canceled. I so. gotta say, like I felt when I heard what had happened with your vacation, I felt bad because you even said like, I don't even want to say anything about this trip because I don't want to jinx it. And I think I maybe a little bit encouraged you to reveal where you're going. And you know, you were going to Ottawa to see Foo Fighters. I kind of pushed you a bit. You told the story. Literally, I think it was the next day I got a text from you and I could almost like see the tears in the text that you sent me. So tell, tell us what happened to you. Uh, so we were supposed to fly out Monday morning. Uh, giving us two days before the concert. You know, I've learned my lesson. Never fly out a day before a specific event. And Sunday afternoon, I get a text. And it's like, your flights have been canceled. But take a look at your your rescheduling. And I was like, are you joking me? Woke up from a wonderful nap to that. So they wanted us to fly out Monday night to Calgary, which is the opposite direction of Ottawa. And stay overnight in Calgary and then fly into Ottawa the next morning. And I was like, I am not giving you a chance to screw this up even more. Because if I am even farther away from my destination tomorrow, there's no way we're going to make it. So we ended up driving the 27 hours to Ottawa. And my husband's such a good sport. Because this whole time he was like, we are not driving. And then he was like, okay, listen, we can drive mm -hmm. as long as you shut up. <laughs> and and I'm sure you didn't. Did he make us sit no. in the back? <laughs> like a chauffeur. <laughs> no, no. Oh, that's a long time in a car. I don't know many people I'd be able to spend that much time in a car with. Neither of us are dead or divorced, so yeah, wow. it went well. <laughs> Uh, was it worth it, though? You went there to see one of your favorite bands, the Foo Fighters, at the, the Ottawa Foo Fighters. Fest. How was oh. it? It was everything I could have imagined and more. Is Dave Grohl is amazing. Yeah, he is amazing. Um, well, let's get into the story. We, we're, we're covering a case tonight from your backyard. Last time we talked, we did Catherine Campbell's murder, which took place where I am here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We're now talking about a case that uh, seems to be one of the major cases from Regina, Saskatchewan. Where oh, you yes. Are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I vividly remember it happening and it was 17 years ago and it has been, it hasn't been forgotten. That's yeah. for sure. You would have only been a kid though, 17 years ago. This was, it, this, the murder we're going to be talking about took place May 21st of 2006. Well, you would have, how old would you have been roughly? 13. Okay. So we, I, I it, would have just turned 13. Okay. So you would have definitely been exposed to this because he was only a young man when it happened. So certainly it well, would have been discussed. And not only that, 
um, my sister, who would have been 16 at the time, she desperately, she wanted to go to this party and my mom wouldn't let her. Oh, wow. I re- Yeah. And I, re- I remember how mad she was because like, obviously, and we'll get into it. it. It's out of town a little bit, but yeah, I remember she was, she want she was supposed to go where she wanted to go. And my mom said, absolutely not. Wow. And then, yeah. And then this, but it's, a, this is a crime that took place in May, tw- on May 21st of 2006. 17 years ago, but it is in the news uh, a lot lately um, for some fascinating and interesting reasons that we'll have a lot to talk about. But let's not get to the updates just yet. Let's start at the beginning. So this story revolves around Misha Pavlik, a 19-year-old man from Regina, Saskatchewan. What, what do you know about him? Like uh, This is someone I'm, I'm sure would be kind of like that tragic face of your community. What's said about Misha? By all accounts, he was just wonderful. He was social. He was pretty much everyone's friend. He was just a great guy to be around. Um, yeah, he, so he was 19 at the time. He was born September 20th, 1986. And he was adopted to his parents at just six weeks old. Mm. So, and he had an older sister by about six years. And yeah, he was just, he was close to his family. And he he seemed to have a very normal upbringing and... Just a, just a normal childhood, normal mm. life. I've seen him described by his dad and others as like kind of a, a joker, someone who's uh, kind of outlandish, always on the go, um, always up to something. Looking at the photos of him as well that I saw, uh, I could kind of relate to him. I, I think most of my friends at that age were all the jokers, you know, like a group of class clowns together. I feel like Misha Pavlik would have been someone that we would have uh, been cool with. He did uh, everything I've seen. He he comes across as just a great, fun guy, and only nineteen years old when this happens, which is just it. When you hear a story like this, it that adds, I think, a, an extra layer of tragedy with his youth. But in Misha's case, he was right on the cusp of going into adulthood because this crime takes place right at graduation, right? Right. And yeah, that's and that's another layer of tragedy is how young he was and where this all went down Mm -hmm. with so many young bystanders. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just all around not good. So this happens at uh, the actual murder happens at like a a high school grad party. Now, I, I maybe you'll know more about this, but here in Nova Scotia, we usually have this thing called safe grad and it's kind of sponsored by the schools and they'll rent a place and, you know, everyone will go there and there's kind of adult chaperone sort of things. Um, and, and the idea is probably to prevent things from happening like what happens in this story. But it seems that in Regina, at least in 2016, the graduation party was held at a campground and that seemed to be the tradition. I want to say this wasn't the safe grad because I know they used to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they do anymore. I'm even like I graduated in 2011 and I don't even know if we had a safe grad. I didn't go to my graduation, mind you, but you're too cool. Yeah, I was too cool. Um, but I think this was more of an unofficial grad party. Yeah, based on the kind of circumstances of the night, that is how it sounds. It It's held the Victoria Day long weekend, which would be a May long weekend. When we did graduation parties, ours were usually close to graduation. So it would have been like mid-June, I, I, at least the way my memory plays out. But in this case, it's late May. Which is, that's why this leads me to believe this was kind of the unofficial one. Mm-hmm. And al- although there was a, a guest list and it was regulated, and there were chaperones and everything. It was, I think if you, you didn't have to be graduating. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, knew someone, you could be their plus one or whatever it was. Uh, just like, you know, Misha was 19. I uh, assume he graduated the year before. Mm, that's a good point. And he was he was there with a friend. Yeah. So this is an, an outdoor party celebrating graduation during the May long weekend. Um which fell from February the 19th of May to Monday the 22nd of May. And it happens at a place called Kinekama Campground? Kanukama. Kanukama Campground. Yeah. Do you know this place? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like two minutes outside of Regina Beach, which which is a big beach where I'm from. 
Uh, I actually had a friend that lived in Kanukama. So there's, I, until this, until I did like more research on this story, I was always under the impression this campground was at Regina Beach and I didn't know Kanukama had a campground. But so there's like houses and stuff out at Kanukama, but also a, a place to camp. Um, so it's about 40 minutes outside of the city. Okay. Yeah. But it would be like a, how would you use this place? Is this where like someone would have like cottages or you would go just, to, oh, no. do you drive you out there to tenting. go to the beach? Okay. Yeah. You mm. would it, uh, like the campground specifically, you would probably do like tents or trailers mm. and yeah, lots of people go out just for the day, go to the beach, whatever. Yeah. So a, a grad party is being held at the Kamukama beach. Uh, it is a grad party specifically for one school so it must i don't know if the school arranged it or if it was just a group of people but as you said this one school was having the party it had a guest list there was security measures there was 121 people who were attending which is a lot of high school kids and 11 chaperones so when you think of that kind of ratio that would be equivalent to what I picture my safe grad being, although our safe grad, I don't recall ever being like in an outdoor field and, you know, having it at night on a campground where there's probably water, it's not well lit. It it doesn't seem like, you know, safety was the number one priority with that many uh, people. Well, and because like, and I don't know for sure, but I'm wondering, you know, the chaperones, was it just anyone that was over the age of 18? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was considered a chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to know. Let's uh let's talk through Misha's experiences though at this party at the campground. How do, when does he go there? How does he end up there? What do you know about this? I know that he went out Friday, May 19th, and he stayed the whole weekend through, just mm -hmm. having a good time. Everything was good. He did return home once, I believe, on the Sunday to change his clothes, and he briefly talked to his dad. His dad made sure, like, everything's okay out there, it's safe, and he said, oh, yeah, nothing to worry about. Uh, the two exchanged I love yous, and he was on his way. So at, at this point, he would have already been there, like, Friday and Saturday? Yes, the, okay. yeah. So uh, he would have stayed out and... Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. It does. And I, I but I can also understand why your parents didn't let your sister go. Like I'm going for three days with 120 people. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, absolutely not. Yeah, but he shows up at home, changes clothes, tells his dad he loves him. What happens next? So we mentioned that there were security measures um, on the Friday night, a group of uninvited people showed up and they weren't on the list so they were turned away these people showed up at about 9 p.m mm -hmm. unfortunately by sunday the security measures had loosened a little bit i can imagine which, how that would happen well right long weekend you know last night come and go right mm -hmm. so Everyone, this... by, by sundays everyone's a little tired nothing as bad has happened so it's probably i can understand how it would get laxed as time goes on me too Mm -hmm. So on Sunday around 10 p.m., this same group of uninvited people that showed up Friday and were denied entry show up again mm -hmm. and are let in. Okay. And it only takes about an hour for things to go south. Um, between Misha and this group of uninvitees, tension, tension developed around 11 p.m. It started verbal and quickly escalated to physical. At about 11.15, there was a physical altercation between Misha and one of the guys from the uninvited group. Mm -hmm. It was other people intervened and it was broken up, but tension was still running high. And 10 minutes later, another not only did another fight break out, but multiple fights broke out between mm -hmm. multiple people. Mm -hmm. So there was a bunch of scuffles going on. Uh, out at a dark campground with a bunch of people it wasn't very well lit the only light they had was from a big bonfire in Jeez. the middle of the the ground it sounds like hell well right mm. and the the fights only lasted about five minutes but in these five minutes misha and a friend of his were both stabbed mm. So things went south, like I said, really fast and in the darkness and, you know, with 
at this point on this Sunday, it said that there were about 200 people there. Okay. Who knows what happened? And mm -hmm. even I said, I covered this on my YouTube channel. When you have that many drunk teens in one dimly lit place, you're going to have 200 different perceptions on what happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, unfortunately, Misha and his friend were stabbed in in these fights. Mm -hmm. And at least initially, Misha was alive, His friend, but, but both him and his friend were badly injured. Like, it seemed very... Like th this wasn't like a minor stab wound. Like they were oh, no. seriously injured. Yeah. By 1138, uh, eight 911 calls had been placed to the Lumsden RCMP, which was the closest detachment. Mm. And yeah, all the reports said like there are two guys here out of Kanukama that have like serious injuries. They were stabbed. Mm -hmm. um, wow. One of the saddest aspects of all of this going on is one of Misha's really good friends in the midst of this going on she called misha's dad and said like misha's been stabbed it's things are crazy this is not looking good and misha's dad told her to put the phone up to his ear so he could tell him he loved him oh. which is like one of the most heartbreaking things i've ever heard in my life mm -hmm. yeah that and, and i'm sure what he was hearing in the background was just chaos as well because absolutely it, it, and the the other the two people were stabbed during this it, it was misha and then someone i've seen described as as a good friend or a close friend named derek ends i'm uh is the last name do you do you know what their relationship was misha and derek like do you know how they're connected I don't. I just know that they were quite close. They, they were, were described. Yeah. Okay. I've seen everything yeah. I've seen. They're described as friends. And it seems like they were kind of on the same side of whatever this scuffle is with yeah. the group that we've just been calling the uninvited, which just sounds very grim anyway. Like, you know, the uninvited arrived. Um, eight calls or so are made to RCMP. When they arrive to the scene, they they arrive to chaos again as you said it's dark there's a bunch of kids every which way half the people have took off in their vehicles and got out of there when when the trouble started so pick so putting the pieces together of what happened from the beginning would have been like such a daunting task to try to like you know everyone just chill we got to talk to everyone and figure out what happened it'd be impossible right oh absolutely mm -hmm. and when rcmp and paramedics arrived people were performing CPR on Misha and Derek. Um, unfortunately, Misha was pronounced dead at the scene. Oh. Uh, Derek was sent, was rushed to the Regina General for emergency surgery and thankfully survived his injuries, but but it was not close. Like, fight. I've read some, some of the news articles about Derek's stabbing and everything that's happened after for him. And, and he was close to death, like it was, he was oh, yeah. fortunate to have survived like it was close absolutely it was it was nearly a double homicide yeah when a significant crime like a homicide almost double homicide happens in a party with 170 peers in a place like regina the investigation must have just been the investigation that followed must have just been huge in scope because they would want to talk to everyone that was there, talk to the chaperones, follow the leads. I can't imagine what it would have been like to be associated with either the police or with Misha and his group of friends at this point in time because they would have been, you know, everybody would have been speaking to police, I can only imagine. Absolutely. I could I could only imagine what the visual web looked like mm -hmm. on the board. Yeah, like, you got the, the thing on your wall with 170 people. Yeah. And they inter they did have 170 interviews and they did what they could at the scene for forensics, but and it was it was mostly hearsay, but Regina's small. Mm -hmm. And there was there was always a couple names being thrown around even you know i was 13 when this happened but even when i entered high school people were still talking about it i got a name really and yeah and uh, yeah it was just because people would have known some members of this uninvited group if not known all of them uh, known about totally. all of them but when the scuffle's happening and somebody quickly stabs another person in the dark 
it's hard to see like i've even seen situations where there's like video footage and you can't really tell who's stabbing or when the stabbing has happened is happening so i can only imagine the police probably had a good list of the people that weren't invited to the party that were there and involved in the fight but how do you take that next step and prove like this is the guy that stabbed exactly and, yeah and did the same guy stab both misha and derek or is it two separate people well that's and that's what i'm wondering like how many different renditions did they get from all these interviews and how do they narrow it down mm -hmm. but i'm not an investigator so no um and and then also you you add in that this is the third day of a party where people have been uh, drinking and being tired, being up late. And, you know, so many people coming and going, it'd just be this blurry mess. Like I saw, it was recently I watched this documentary about um, Woodstock, like the one, the concert they did in like maybe in 2000 or something. One of the later, like the last. Oh, 99? Yeah, like the last Woodstock. But uh, the, what ended up happening was like as the time went on and everyone was getting tired, they were, weren't eating or they weren't drinking, they were just drinking al alcohol. By the end of it, it just turned into complete chaos. I almost think like this could have been something similar to that. After three days of being out there, it, when you start interviewing people, it, you know, it'd be really hard to get a straight story. Um, one thing I read about, I don't know if you got into this, but I went down the rabbit hole a little bit reading about Derek Enza's case and he is Misha's friend who was stabbed at the same time during the same brawl but managed to survive and they actually caught the person who stabbed him prosecuted him sent him to prison but they weren't able to connect him with Misha's um, stabbing I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read you a, a short article that uh, relates to Derek Enza's case um, who again was Misha's friend who was stabbed and, and this is when the, the fellow who stabbed him was actually sentenced. I'm just going to read it to you. So it says, A 21-year-old Regina man who stabbed a teenager at a party near G Regina Beach, the same party where another young man was killed, is off the jail after receiving a three-year sentence. Please forgive me. I'm really sorry for what I did, Scott Robert Nelson said in court Wednesday. Uh, directing his apology to the victim, Derek Enns. Nelson pled guilty to aggravated assault and other offenses last month. The court heard that he stabbed Enns 18 several times in the stomach during a brawl at a party near Regina Beach on Last Mountain Lake on May 20, 2006. Enns was hospitalized. Another man, 19-year-old Misha Pavlik, was stabbed death at the party. It wasn't explained in court how or if the two stabbings were connected. No one has been charged in Pavlik's death. Although Nelson's lawyer argued for a community sentence, the Crown said the severity of the offense warded of the offense warranted time behind bars. Provincial court judge Carol Snell agreed, pointing out that Enns almost died from his injuries. So I think Misha dies. They're not able to figure out what happened to him yet. Derek Enns, they get the guy who did it to him, a 21-year-old, ends up in prison. What's the, what's the date on that article? I don't have it in front if of me. You don't have, okay. No, but it wasn't was... long after. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, if this is like years after, I wonder if if this not this Scott Nelson was just eighteen. No, I I um I don't have the date of the article, but I believe it was like within a couple, like within a year or two of the actual event. So it seemed like they got this guy Good. pretty quick. Well, Derek survived, so he could tell him. It was Scott Nelson. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good point. I, I would like to know how they, if that's what happened, or how they figured it out, but. They got him. They can't well, identify. three years. Yeah, seriously. Um, we'll get into that as we go. But they're not able to figure out who killed Misha, obviously the, the more serious of the two cases. Um, as time goes on, they're not able to find a suspect or at least not publicly name a suspect in Misha's murder. It has become one of Regina's um, most often discussed cold to semi-cold cases what has you're into crime you're from regina over the years how is the story portrayed and how is like the the homicide of misha pavlik discussed well it was i always only heard one name and it was always the same name that got brought up really but and, it, if yeah. people are talking if people are giving a name do people also talk about why he isn't being arrested 
Well, you can't arrest someone off hearsay. Okay. Even even if all of those interviews line up, I think mm-hmm. you need some sort of evidence. There's no doubt in my mind that this guy was at one point interviewed or questioned or whatever. Mm-hmm. But without you know solid evidence, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's well, very hard. Well, yeah, and even if even if everyone is saying the same name, the process the the investigators and the prosecutor don't want to pull him in court and charge him if it's just based on people pointing the finger they need more evidence so they know they get the conviction and make it worth everyone's time so they may very well have a pretty good idea of what happened and they're just waiting years and years and years for that one piece that you know the the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of gaining a uh, a conviction in a case like this but that just must be hell for this guy's parents especially if you're seeing you're hearing you know everybody giving this name of like i know who did it it was you know so and so meanwhile you're you're seeing all misha's friends grow up have kids get married like it's it's so brutal i i feel i really feel for his dad because i saw several interviews with his father lorne is his name and he just comes across as like the nicest sweetest old man and that's can, what I thought too. Yeah, everything I saw with him, I'm like, oh my god, like this heartbroken father. I felt like horrible for him. Yeah. You can project further. You you mentioned at the beginning, uh, Misha was adopted, and I I don't know what it is. I think it's I, maybe I'm projecting because I have friends who adopted uh, because they weren't able to have their own baby. They adopted, and I kind of followed along a bit with their journey of trying to have a child how in love they are with each other and how much they want it to like raise a kid then finally they're they go through all this trouble years and years of applications and waiting they finally are able to adopt the child and now their kid's a couple years old but they're like the best parents ever and i don't know what it is but i often think like you know you can do something, have a crazy time and end up having a kid and become a great dad or mom and raise the kid. But I think like you don't like like do this thing and adopt. It's like you need to be committed. And I have this thing for people who adopt. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to say like um, they're always awesome, but I think often like the it's just that story of someone adopting. Yeah. I don't know. It does it to me because I have friends that went through it. Well, and mm-hmm. I have an aunt who couldn't have children and they tried for years to adopt and it always fell through it's not that easy no and it's not cheap no absolutely yeah and then also like i I don't know what they went through but some people will also try all the different like fertility stuff which is very expensive often involves travel it's uh yeah it's something but anyway all of this to say when i saw interviews with misha's dad he just struck me as this like genuinely nice guy who yeah uh, and another thing is when you're reading and researching like a case like a murder that happened in 2006 you can read the reports from when it happened and see his dad as a young man talking about it but then as you go through you know the five-year anniversary the 10-year anniversary you see his father age but still be like this heartbroken man. And it's, I don't know, I I had a moment watching him this morning as I was going through all these articles. But 17 years pass, there's different names being thrown around or the same name being thrown around. Before we get to the update, let's talk a little bit, actually I wanna back up and talk a little bit about the uninvited that showed up to the party. So it's a quick change of gears. But they, Friday night, this group tries to get in they're not able to get in two nights later they come back having already been turned away i can't help but think they were maybe coming back i don't know what to say to start trouble but i just feel like the second time they came maybe would be a little meaner it is alleged to me um these people were there with a purpose and it was to hurt misha specifically really okay yes so they sound like they were on a mission okay though they at least had two knives and that's not normal um i don't travel with weapons no um your attitude can be a weapon though so don't screw with madeleine um but that kind of makes sense because everything i read it seems like it's written as 
with with Misha being at like the front of whatever this dispute is that kind of starts and stops and starts and stops. Uh, I, I would love to know what the investigators know. Me too. I'd like they, to know how big the group of uninvited were. I want to know how many there were and maybe like how old they ranged because clearly a couple were a little older in their twenties or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good point. And I, uh, and I want to know, I mean, it's neither here nor there. But what what was it over? What was the issue? Mm-hmm. When you learn the issue between like a a murder, the the issue behind a murder, it's often like it just it just upsets you. I think it's better yeah. sometimes it's not to know. You know, someone owes someone forty dollars. You know, these sorts of things, or looked at or someone's. It's worse if it's over a girl or over a boy or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, so we've been talking about this as an unsolved case. The reason we decided to cover the story tonight, and the reason you did a video on your YouTube channel a week or two ago, is because this case has had a major significant update. I'm going to play a news article that summarizes the update, and then we can talk about it. So here it comes. The Pavlik family had been counting the days until someone was arrested for the murder of Misha Pavlik. 6,246. Sounds like a large number, right? Well, 6,246 is the days between Misha's death and today. 19-year-old Misha was stabbed at a Regina Beach grad party on the May 2006 long weekend. Police never gave up in their search for a suspect. Last weekend, police arrested a man who was 17 at the time of the incident. On Saturday, June 24th, 2023, a 34-year-old adult male was charged with one count of second-degree murder, contrary to Section 235, Sub 1 of the Criminal Code. He was arrested in Regina by investigators from the Saskatchewan RCMP Historical Case Unit without incident. The man's name cannot be released because the suspect was a youth back in 2006. Police credit the passage of time for prompting people to come forward with leads. The suspect was released from custody following an initial court appearance and will be back before a judge next month. RCMP hope the arrest will lead others to come forward with further information. What's the mood on the ground with this announcement being made for an arrest in a case that shocked the community and has clinged to the community for the last 17 years? So when the news was first released, it was like it was a sentence to sentence basis. It was like someone was arrested for the murder of Misha. And we were like, this is it. And then they were like, mm, but he can't be named. And mm. we were like, you're you're kidding me. Mm, that's so. Um, oh, like, my takes God. The wind out of it. eh? Seriously, because I I came home that Tuesday and I hadn't read anything yet because it was released at about three, three thirty. I, I hadn't read anything. And my husband said, hey they arrested someone for the murder of Misha. And I looked at him and I said, was it? And then I said a name and he goes, I don't know. They won't release a name. And I'm just like, no way. It's so deflating. Yeah. Um, But they say, and the reason they're not releasing a name is because the person who they've arrested and charged with with the murder was 17 at the time. So they were a minor. So they will protect them. They're also like, what shocked me is they're not even in jail like they're like released like awaiting whatever. they weren't held in custody yeah that's and that seems shocking, i mean right? i get that they're being tried or they're being charged as a youth but then at the end of the article it was like the man is set to appear be before uh regina provincial youth court on july mm-hmm. 17th what are they gonna do send him to juvenile hall a 34 year old <laughs> man i i that's i don't know like, what how that has to how that should work but there's something about it, here's my thought so it, you commit a crime when you're 17 or or 12 or whatever the case may be and you get away with it until the point that you're an adult you're then arrested as an adult and but you committed the crime as a jun- as a kid so they you know handle you as if you're still a kid or something but here's my thing is like whoever did this 
it, let's say if this 17 year old it, it hasn't been proven yet but he's 34 now he if he did it when he was 17 he knew he did it when he was 19 20 21 right like it it should be you know you turn 19 and you turn yourself in and if not we're charging you as an adult you know if you, like it, you should exactly that's how and it even like 17 that's close enough to 18 for me i think the youth justice act especially for violent crime is a joke it should not exist for murder or violent crime mm -hmm. like okay if you steal something from the 7-eleven charge them as a youth i don't care don't release their name but if you murder someone especially at 17 i don't know well you committed an adult crime well here in you canada, should be treated like an adult yeah truly. but here in canada you commit you kill someone when you're 30 you could still like you may spend 10 years in prison and then get That's out it's true. not like it's not like if you uh charge them as an adult when they're 16 or 17 it's not like it, it ruins their entire life it protects That's, yeah people but i think my point what kills me with this is he if this guy did it i'm like i'm talking as if as if he did when he was 20 to 22 23 up to 34 it's like he knew the whole time if he if he knew and didn't do anything or turn himself in or do the right thing i feel like that equates to committing the crime as an adult for me in my mind absolutely um but but they're charging him in youth court and they're kind of handling him that way if he is convicted what even is the scent like what do they even do to a 17 year old who kills someone well exactly like the most they're probably looking at is maybe if we're lucky 10 years but where they're not gonna if he's charged as a youth they're not gonna send him to the prince albert penitentiary mm -hmm. or they're probably not even regina corrections and also if they charge him as a youth i believe that would also make it so that they never they don't publicly release the stuff like i don't know if his name right. would ever be released uh but then again since he's an adult since he's an adult now misha's if he has any money or anything misha's family could probably sue him civilly and oh, that would maybe. that would get the story out there but it's i i just like when it, when you hear this go on for this long they finally get the guy he was 17 at the time that he did it, if this is the guy. And I, I think if they made an arrest at this point, they're probably pretty confident or got what they right. Um, It just seems so underwhelming at the end of Absolutely. Well, and he he appeared in court yesterday. Ugh. And I was I was hoping that maybe this would have been the day they were like, cause I, I wasn't looking or I wasn't expecting for closure yesterday but i was hoping maybe they'd say yeah we're trying we're trying it as an adult this mm. is this is crazy so if you want to know how serious they're taking this case i'm going to play you a news clip that covers yesterday's hearing so we're recording this on the 18th of july the clip we just listened to earlier about the arrest it said he's going to be in court you know later in the month or whatever that was yesterday that he was actually in court and here's a news clip that summarizes yesterday's um very deflating and underwhelming court appearance listen to this good afternoon today the man accused in the 2006 death of misha pavlik made his second court appearance the 34 year old accused told the judge that he has been working and hasn't had time to see a lawyer the matter was adjourned until August the 21st. The suspect was 17 years old at the time of the murder and cannot be named. He will appear in court next on August the 21st. He hasn't been able to talk to a lawyer because he's been working. <laughs> I hate to like, laugh. It's like absurd, right? This had to have been the fastest court date ever. Like what were they in there for? Seven minutes? Well, you would think if you're charged with murder, you could maybe take time off work to get a lawyer right away. Like, I feel You'd like think. that'd be my first call. But then well, again, if you're being charged as a juvenile, I'd be like, you know, do I, I don't really, I'm too busy for that. Crazy. Yeah. And he's not, not like he's being held in custody. He's at oh, work. Like, he's like, he's been working. And you're like, yeah, we all have stuff to do. You should prioritize. Like, yeah. I'm surprised that they should give them like, 14 days to find a lawyer and if they don't do so they're appointed one let's get this show on the road here mm -hmm. yeah um misha's family waited you know six thousand plus days um 
and now you're just further delaying it. It's just, uh, it's also cruel and it, it just sucks to see people drag through this whole system, but yeah. Um, they're going to be back in court in August. Hopefully by then he's able to have the time to meet with a lawyer and we can get this thing going. Cause it's, I think if he did it, he needs to, um, he needs to, he needs to pay for what he did. And Misha's Absolutely. family, friends and family, they deserve the facts, uh, to be released. And they're only going to be released through a hearing through, through yeah. a trial. Well, I'd love to know what, what was brought forward that, that made them be able to arrest someone mm -hmm. like was it just an, another tip because there's no way that this the person that was arrested wasn't on their radar before yeah it'll be like, really what, interesting what came hear. about yeah it'll be really interesting if the person who well actually either way but if the person that the name you know and the name that's commonly shared if that's the person that's arrested, what changed now? Like, what did they get that they can do something about it now instead right. of any time over the last 17 years? And if it's someone altogether different, then, you know. That would be mind-blowing. That would be mind And it, it yeah. very well could be because it's like if there's a, a fight in a dark area and there's not even a fight, if there's multiple fights, who's to say there wasn't someone on the sidelines that was there and that just pulled a knife out and did that to Misha? while he was in a fight with someone else, you know, like it, who, who knows what happened. And that's why I think it'd be hard to prove at this point, especially if you have a group of people who are either covering for each other or pointing the finger at each other. It's really hard to narrow it down to what happened. Well, see, and that's like one of my first thoughts was, wouldn't it be crazy if like a 10 year old video surfaced of this guy bragging about it or that. like incriminating himself somehow you mean you, you never know 10 years ago was 2013 so yeah. well that's a good point and yeah we, i've talked about and we've talked about cases that involve like mr big stings you know i don't oh, know if yeah. they would you know it, it could be something like that it could be a somebody who recorded him this person confessing i don't know what i think it's, it would take more than just people saying i know he did it or i saw him do it i think it would take more right. than that after all this time um one thing i i don't know if this played into it or if this is just like what i call uh copaganda but the police did a podcast the saskatchewan rcmp made a podcast series that they're very proud of and i know that because they talk about it all throughout the press conference uh, announcing the arrest anytime um, they can mention it they it do. seems yeah but it, the rcmp in saskatchewan decided they wanted to take misha's case and make it the subject of a short podcast series where like investigators of the case and misha's dad talk a bit about it and they claim that after that podcast was released they had several tips to them as well as to crime stoppers so i think when I hear that, I, I wonder, like, is that really what happened? Maybe they kicked the hornet's nest and it got people talking and someone came forward. Or is it just copaganda? Like, I, I just, I'm, I guess I'm kind of uh, a bit suspect of a podcast that's produced by the RCMP. Um, yeah. I know but how they feel about themselves. Either way, podcast or not. The teens that were there in 2006 are adults now, many mm -hmm. of them parents, mm -hmm. you know, some of them might have already been parents at the time. So that means they have grown ass adult children mm -hmm. and a lot can change in 17 years, like personally. Yeah. So you never know. Someone could could have grown up and thought like my kid's 19 now. And what how would that feel if this was my kid and maybe came forward with information or what? But you never know. No, well, right. after this podcast was released, I guess they searched some area of the water in Regina Beach. I'm not sure what they were looking for. Well, maybe they had a tip that someone threw a knife and said water. And well, maybe. But yeah, I thought that I thought, they, they weren't wow, fishing. That's crazy. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Well, it's the RCP. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, it, I think what's next in this case, in August, there's going to be a hearing where they will decide 
if the charges if if he will face charges as an adult or a minor if it, if it as as an adult will have a lot more access to what changed in this case if a minor there will be publication bans we won't know anything even after there's a conviction if there is one if if he's being tried as a minor which is well, I guess the important thing is Misha's family finds out and they would be able to attend, I guess, just be the public and the news reporting and word will get out. If it's a big story in your community, people are going to, Oh yes. going to get around. Well, even like, so every couple years, Misha's case would come up in the news, just usually around the anniversary or wherever. And there's been a couple times where in the age of social media, I think it was two years ago, they did a, an article about him. And one of the comments on it was they tagged the person was like, we know you did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, my God. Insane. Yeah. People, people don't care online and oh they God. will say anything. Yeah, that's that's true. But um, yeah, they got to be careful with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just like, but, oh, my God. Well, Because you never know. There's so many cases. Uh, I've come across so many stories where like the armchair detective online activist just goes incredibly wrong yes anyway just because everyone is saying we think it's this guy doesn't necessarily mean it is and no exactly yeah and there and that's the reason you can't arrest someone off hearsay no um so we'll follow this with an update whenever the time comes hopefully the story comes out hopefully they got the right person and hopefully they have the evidence they need to convict them and hopefully that gives misha's loved ones friends and family uh a little help um towards you know closure if you want to use that word or at least knowing that justice has been served you know for the death of the murder of their 19 year old loved one yeah, it's oh, I'm just I'm like, and this case is a, not only a historic case, but it's such a an important and big case locally. Mm-hmm. I just feel like our justice system cannot fumble this one by not trying him as an adult. Like I'm sure the local police investigating this realize the severity and the importance and the gravity of it. Hopefully, that's why it took so long. Is they wanted to make sure this was a slam dunk, and hopefully, that's what we get. Totally. Um, with that behind us, let's start wrapping this up. Anything you want to say before we do? Anything you've been watching that you want to recommend listeners watch? Uh, no, I've just been watching the usual. I got home from Ottawa on Friday, and I was going to be productive on the weekend, and that just didn't happen. All right. Well, Madeline, these stories are dark. Uh, they're interesting and fascinating, though, and they often say a lot about the world we live in and the relationships we all have with each other. And I'm glad to be able to talk about them and break them down with you. So thanks for joining me for another week. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to what people have to say about this one, Mm -hmm. just with the Youth Justice Act and everything else. I think we're going to get some some pretty broad feedback. Yeah. And even with a conviction, if if he's charged as a youth, and is convicted is that justice at this point for a 34 year old man that'll be that'll be interesting to hear yeah i'm i'm interested to see how this all plays out i want to thank you for joining madeline and i for this episode of nighttime now i'm going to start wrapping up this episode but before i do let me give some thanks First, a big thanks to Monty Data, who contributes the music for this episode, and to LJ from the Dystopian Simulation Podcast, who provides the intro and outro voiceovers. And then lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you goes out to each and every one of you listening to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. Now on the topic of support, let me thank the newest subscribers to the premium feed. Krista, Leslie, and Grumpy Chat, thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, you can help out in a variety of ways. First of all, a premium feed subscription only costs a couple dollars a month, gives you the episodes two days early, gives them to you ad-free, and gives you access to a full back catalog of episodes. You can go premium now at patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. 
And for anyone else, you can help out the show by simply sharing these episodes on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to give feedback on the show, or contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. Madeline and I would love to hear your thoughts on this case. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. I now invite Mr. Pavlik to provide a statement, sir. Well, I'm here on behalf of uh, my son, Misha William Pavlik, and uh, I'm representing his mother, Susan, and sister Kathleen, and my wife Karen is here. So. 6,246, sounds like a large number, right? Well, 6,246 is the days between Misha's death and today. On behalf of the family, I want to express our sincere and grateful thanks to the RCMP major Crimes and Historical Case Unit, always respectful, always hopeful. They never stopped communicating with us, sharing what they could. So many of them offering their commitment, courage, and humility, and sometimes frustration, but only rarely. <clears throat> the units and other members in the RCMP exemplify a basic core social value. Together we can. Together we can. Prioritizing the greater good and the concept of common welfare and safety. We the family, we realize this is not the end, just the beginning of the end. And it renews our hope for justice for our dear Misha. <clears throat>